0: Tomorrow can be bigger yeah. Just grow Let the world overflow You're yeah. my life bigger than yourself You're created for me
1: Hello, this is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today we will hear a classic message from our archives that we believe will be a blessing to you and give you principles to live big in Christ. Let's join Bishop Greer for this classic teaching.
0: We are continuing in our series, Christ the Mediator. We're going to begin in John chapter 3, beginning with the first verse, and we're going to do a little skipping around in the interest of time this morning. Before we get started, the backdrop is Nicodemus is a respected member of the Sanhedrin, and uh, he wanted to talk with Jesus. He wanted to find out more about what Jesus was teaching and, and discover what was going on with this, this young man who many felt might be the Messiah. And he knew that if he went during the day, it might impact his reputation and people might assume that he had become a follower of Jesus, and he wasn't ready to go that far and put that much on the line. So he didn't come at daytime. The Bible says that he snuck out and went to Jesus in the cover of night. And out of uh, this meeting comes John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That statement came from this meeting with Nicodemus. Let's start in verse one. Now there was a man of the most respected religious group in Israel of the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus, a ruler, part of the Sanhedrin of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus was the original Nick at night. <laughs> Many of us are still creeping in our relationship with Jesus, kind of on the DL when it comes to our faith in Christ. And so was Nicodemus at first. Skip to verse 10. Jesus has been conversing with Nicodemus And he says, you are Israel's teacher, meaning people can't rise any higher than the leaders they follow. So here in Nicodemus, you are Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? Instead of Jesus being flattered by the fact that this scholar, this leader of his nation would take the time to come visit him in the night, Jesus reprimanded him. Jesus, like nobody else, you will ever meet. He said, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen. But still, you people, now, how many of us have lived long enough to know that when you refer to someone as you people, something's gone wrong in the conversation? The first problem here is because of Nicodemus's high training and, and high learning he felt that he was Jesus' equal. And he approached him as if Christ was his peer. And that they were somehow, you know, just kind of on the same level. And Jesus had to, 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 to make it clear that, listen, I didn't learn what I'm teaching out of some book. I, I came down from heaven and everything I'm sharing has come from the Father. This is not opinion. This is just not ideas. This is not uh, the, the result of high IQ. I'm here speaking for the eternal God. And he says, you people... A little exasperation here. Do not accept our testimony. Who is our? Jesus absolutely fearless when it comes to his relationship with the Father. Intimidated by no one. As far as Christ was concerned, he and the Father were always a majority. No matter where he went, what he was doing, me and the Father, we are a majority. We got this thing. It's us. And he approached life this way. He didn't just preach that way. Now, now some priests get real good behind his pulpit, but you meet him in person, ain't a whole lot to him. That's how the you? But Jesus, man, he was solid in front of people, behind closed doors. He was what he was all the time. And he said, man, I, I've spoken to you earthly things, and, man, you don't, you don't believe. See, he had just explained, uh, used the wind to explain the Holy Spirit and the new birth and, and all that good stuff, and, and Nick didn't get it. Being book smart and memorizing some facts, though, it's really important to understand this. It's not the same as receiving revelation from God. There are many people smarter than me, memorize more verses than I. But the question is, has they heard from God? Has God opened the hearts of their understanding, the eyes, the Bible said, of their understanding? This man was smart, but he wasn't illumined or enlightened. And again, just because you remember some facts does not mean you're hearing from God. He said, I've spoken to you of practical things, earthly things, things you should get, man. And you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So Jesus kind of breathes in and he, he's correcting this man and, but, but ultimately he wants to reach this man. It's not really about Jesus just sticking out his chest here. As much as the fact the man's come with a level of pride and, and the only way you can enter the kingdom is if you bow down and, and submit. And, and if you read, uh, John 19 and 39, you'll discover that, uh, when Jesus was, was crucified, Nicodemus was one of the one that, that brought the expensive, uh, 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 spices that they put on the body of Jesus, meaning what Jesus did here worked. And Nicodemus eventually entered the kingdom of God. Verse 13, he's again dealing with this scholar who's, who's very familiar with books here on earth. He says, no one has ever gone into heaven except one. You need to know who you're talking to. I'm in a class by myself, and I know it. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. And then he used that title we studied last week, the Son of Man. Sir, I need to make it clear who you're talking to. Not just a man, again, with clever ideas. I am that I am. And then he says, just as, and then he's going to quote Moses, or allude back to what we discover in the book of Numbers, which was written by Moses and really what he's he's getting at is listen you're an expert in Moses you think you know Moses but let me explain something to you everything Moses ever did or said pointed to me if you really knew Moses you'd recognize me he said here's a parallel that I'm going to use something you do know to explain something that you don't yet know so you say you know the facts about Moses so let me use Moses to explain me Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now, lifted up here is a euphemism for death. And he's he's, he's now kind of moved into this Pharisee's territory because they know the law. They, they, They know what Moses said and and he begins to reiterate And Actually, he, he, he points back to, again, th- these events. Of Moses. Let's go to Numbers 21 and 4. And let's go back to the original text itself and, and read from it before we move forward. Children of Israel had been freed from Egyptian bondage. 400 years of it. And uh, ten plagues had happened. The Red Sea parted. And they were on their journey to the Promised Land. And verse 4 says they traveled... From Mount Hor, along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. Since we're not from the area, we don't really get that at first read. But the point is God did not take them on a direct route to where they were going. What I've discovered about God over the years is that he's not always concerned with speed as much as he's concerned with process, about developing character. I want it yesterday, but God said, listen, when you're ready... We got some more things we got to iron out. I need to put you through a few more fires so 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 you can come out a little bit more refined. I, I need to lead you this way because I'm working on something. And sometimes when you walk with God, it looks like you're going backwards before you go forward. And it can be very, very, very frustrating. Numbers 21 and 14, or 4, forgive me. But the people grew impatient on the way. God, this journey is just getting too long. You ever feel like it's just getting too long to get to where you need to go? I mean, Lord, we're in this this horrible desert heat, sandstorms every evening, scorpions in my tent, and all I hear from heaven is keep on walking. God, I'm getting tired of this. How long? Oh, God before we finally get to where we're going. They got discouraged and began to speak against God and against Moses. They need to understand, those of you that desire to be pastors, when people get mad at God, they get mad at you. Anybody still want to be a pastor in this room? (laughs) The issue is they can't throw a rock and hit God but they know where your car is (laughs) parked. They got your email address. Sometimes they know where you live. And they said, Mo, why you brought us out out of Egypt to die in this here desert? He said, listen, when I was in Egypt, at least we had some bread. When I was in Egypt, I didn't like my job, but at least I had something to do. But all I'm doing out here in this heat and in this desert, walking around in circles. God, why you did this to it? Why? I thought you loved me. I thought you cared for me. I was in church last Sunday when Sandy sung the song about he loved me and all that. And I bought it last Sunday. But this week, it don't look that way. There's no bread. There's no water. There's no clean drinking water, no springs. And Lord, we detest this miserable, Food, God, this miracle manner is way overrated. I know you're impressed by making prayer come down from heaven, but have you tasted it? <laughs> they were saying, I can't stand this journey, God. I can't stand this process. And God, if I'm on you're getting on my lead nerves. Anybody ever? I'm the only one. Okay, I'm the only one. <laughs> Verse 6. Then the Lord sits high and looks low. And he heard. He sent venomous snakes. When we start listening to the serpent and forget the hell he brought us out of. Don't be surprised if God looks down and said, you want to listen to a snake? I'll give you some snakes. You hear me? You want to listen to the slithering serpent and his criticism? And embrace it as your own. And then utter it in my ear at my servant. Oh, you want to to deal with snakes. Let me show you some snakes. Can anybody say snakes on the plane? Snakes on the plane. Snakes on the plane. little disclaimer, I didn't see the movie. So I'm not vouching for the movie. I did see the commercial. There were snakes on the plane. And some of y'all got snakes in your car, in your bedroom, in your slithering. You mad at God, but the issue is you've been listening. And God just lets you have a manifestation of what you've been commiserating with. I don't feel any love in this room. Verse 6. Then the Lord sent these venomous snakes among them desert vipers multicolored fast poisonous and they bit the people and the Israelites died You see that snake you're listening to at first the hiss is harmless but you spend enough time with it it will eventually bite you self pity feels good at first. The hiss is harmless. Oh, they didn't treat me right. And you start feeling all that stuff. And, and, and But guess what? You follow too long. That thing, again, you've been commiserating with, that thing you've been uh, uh, convorting with, that thing that you've been having discussion with, that thing you've been yielding to, eventually will bite you in such a way it will take medical science to get you out of that depression. You will need uh, Valium. You will need, I ran out some of the pills. Someone help me with the pills. I said Zantac. That's an acid. last time. <laughs> Xanax and what else we got? Prozac, Prozac and purple pills, red pills, blue pills. Because you're messing with the red snake, blue snake. You hear what I'm saying? Listen, everybody on medication is not because you're sin. Please don't mishear me. But you can yield to something to the place you can't get out anymore. Crack was a drug of choice the first two times. Then it became a compulsion. Then you had to have it. But it starts, you know, innocent. You know, when, when you were young, you had that hair trigger temper. And man, you had that leather jacket, you know, and, and man, girls thought you were sexy because you were just so hot and, you know, and, 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 and they thought your edgy, bold personality, you know, was cute until you started growing a little bit older. And then what used to be cute ain't so cute nobody. No, no more. Nobody wants to be around you. No one wants to be in your life. In fact, you are slam- you got, got doors slamming behind you 20 years because of how cute you are. It starts with a little hiss. Let me tell you something. With my children, I look at the hiss. I, I'm not looking for the big thing. I'm looking for the little things. Boy, you, you learn to control your temper right here and right now in this house before you go out there. You can't be hitting on everybody, beating on everybody, slamming. Boy, because if you don't learn it here, let me tell you something. When it, it, you get out there, they will lock you up, put you under the jail. You hear what I'm saying? The people came to Moses, but only after the snakes, you know. That's the way we are. If we would have listened and just, you know, submitted to God and, and not got all upset and everything, we, we've been all right. But sometimes we don't go back to God. We, we got to get bit first before we have a change of heart. So the people came to Moses and said, we sinned. They called it what it was. When we spoke against the Lord and against you. Didn't they just criticize Moses a few verses ago? Mm-hmm. If you're going to lead in any capacity, particularly in the church, you're going to have to learn not to hold grudges. You have to, if you're going to stay married more than two weeks, <laughs> you're going to have to learn how to accept apologies and accept it from the heart. They said, pray that the Lord will take The snakes away from us. Moses, I know you're right with God. We're not. I know, I, 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 I know what we just did. But Moses, would you intercede for us? Would, would you go, uh, before God for us? And let me ask you, can you pray for people who just, uh, decried against you, just defiled and, and hurt your reputation? People that just talked about you ten minutes, can, and ten minutes later when they, can you still pray for them? You know, that's the heart of ministry. Person split the church at 3 o'clock, but by 7 o'clock, they're in the hospital. And guess what? They call you to the bedside. Do you pray, Lord? Kill them! (laughs) Rick, what you sow. You start unplugging their machines hooked up to them in the bed. I didn't mean to kick that. I didn't mean that. Can God find you on your bended knee? When everything's right with you or God and the person that's offended you is the one in need. Can he count on you to pull for that other person? Then the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Why would God put a snake on a pole? Snakes represent evil. From as far back in every culture, virtually there's a few exceptions and they're just weird. Snakes represent darkness. Why would God... Put a snake on the pole. I'm so very glad that you asked. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For his sake, no, for our sake, he did it for me. I don't know about you, but he did it for me. For our sake, because of our need, because of our crisis, because of our mess, Jesus did not need relationship with the Father. He already had it. He did it for you. He did it for me. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned a day in his life, not an hour, not a moment. Even after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, when he faced temptation at the the weakest possible time before the cross, he resisted, get thou behind me, Satan, quoted scripture, resolved the issue. And ran off the devil. He who knew no sin was made sin. Jesus became who we are on the cross. Sin, sinner. So we could be made who he was before the cross. How great is the love that God has lavished on us that we should be called son God. He took sin so I could become a son. Isaiah 52 and verse 14. The prophets saw the cross more clearly than many of the people that were standing just a few feet away from the master god showed it before it happened and they marveled and were amazed and they would say things like who can believe our report how can this be so and they grappled with these things and tried to wrap their minds around how these things would be revealed and manifest and ultimately come to pass verse 14 he's speaking of the suffering servant the messiah As many were astonished at you. It was total shock. Man's mind and imagination couldn't fathom it or figure this out. Here he is, Emmanuel. But like a root out of dry ground, his visage is marred. His appearance was so marred beyond human resemblance. Now, I watched The Passion of the Christ. And that's gruesome and it deserved rated R and they had to pull it back from X. But it would probably be triple X if they came close to showing what happened on that cross. Jesus did not even look human on the cross. If his body, if it came to a morgue, I don't. Sweet Jesus. He was beyond Identification. Didn't even look like a human being anymore. Because not only did he take a beating, and beatings will do that to you. But he also took the sin of the world. Every rape, every murder, every theft, every hateful thought. Every malicious and foul deed and condition of mankind. Jesus on the cross breathed it in. And took it to himself. And it began to show grotesquely on his form. He said, and his form was marred beyond that of the children of mankind. I mean, ain't nobody in the human race ever looked like that. Galatians 3 and 13 explains more looking back on Calvary. Isaiah was looking forward to Calvary. Paul says, by the Holy Spirit, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us now why was there a snake on the brazen altar because the first being or creature cursed in the garden of eden was a snake after the snake came childbearing in the ground but the first place of the curse came on the snake and since the snake was first he epitomizes He's a representation of everything ever cursed on the earth. He became a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone hung on a tree. Back to Second Corinthians 5 and 21. Let's see if we can read this through. For my sake, your sake. Her sake, his sake. For our sake. He made him. not. He never sinned. He became sin. It was placed on Him who knew no sin so that in Him we might become something, something we weren't before, but something we could now become because Jesus became that snake. Jesus became cursed. He became sin on that cross. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The cross is the place where we can exchange our sinfulness for his righteousness. I come with his mess. He releases his bless. You hear what I'm saying? He took what I deserved. I deserved that beating. I I deserved them soldiers to, to smash that crown into my head and then hit me with rods and take turns punching me in my face. I deserve to be nailed up on the cross because I turned my back on a loving, living God who never did wrong to me. He took what I deserved so we could share what only he deserved. Numbers 21 and verse 8. Moses said, anyone, don't care what your problem is, what your issue is. We're all snake bit, just your bite might be in a different place than my bite. And we don't need to glory over, you know what, my bite is more socially acceptable than you. You're both bitten. You're both dying. You're both poisoned. In the place of the bite, you usually swell. And if you get bit in the face, your face swells up, and you can't even recognize who you are. We were created in the image and likeness of God, but the snake bit us, and we began to swell. And in our faith, we can't even recognize the image of God anymore because of the poison that seeped into our bloodstream we passed on to our children, our children's children, children's children. So every person given the opportunity does what their daddy Adam did. Make a decision for independence against God. And then in his mercy though, he records these scriptures and Christ comes to make it right. Anyone who is bitten by the poisonous snake of
1: judgment can look
0: and live. But it's up to you.
1: You've been listening to a classic message from Derek Greer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big.